Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back for another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts and welcome into a new edition of the patriots beat podcast here on the clns media podcast network i'm evan lazar joined as always by alex Barr, sporting the best team in boston right now on the cap i well, appreciate that the the revs are pretty good too let's the not revs are pretty the revs. good but yes go the Sox. revs are pretty good go socks uh, that's the exciting part going on in boston right now we're going to talk about the other team in boston for the next hour or so here on the podcast as we always do and as we look at this game against the cowboys i want to look at some things from a big picture perspective as well just what are the biggest ailments for the patriots right now and how do they fix them to try to get this team on the right track at two and four it feels like a hole that they probably won't dig themselves out of. Most teams that start the year two and four do not make the playoffs, but this is a 17 game season. Alex, this is a longer year. There are still a chance. There is still a chance, especially with the way that the rest of the AFC East looks outside of Buffalo. You have another game against Miami. You have this weekend's game against the Jets. Uh, Those games look a lot easier on the schedule uh, than maybe you thought going in, especially with Miami. But regardless of that, the biggest picture topic that I wanted to start with with this Dallas game is what I wrote today in my film review on clnsmedia.com and that is I came away from watching the coaches tape of this game thinking more positively about the offense moving forward than the defense and I say that because with the offense I see progress I see improvement I see development out of Mac Jones with the defense I feel as though the Patriots are sort of who are who they are on the defensive side of the football. They're an okay defense. They're an average defense, but they're not a great defense. And that's probably because they traded Stephon Gilmore, but that's not here nor there. The point being defensively, I feel like this is their talent level, right? I, I, I feel like this is their talent level. Offensively, 
I see it improving. I see guys winning man coverage. I see Mac Jones becoming more aggressive and you starting to see this click a little bit more. So I, I agree and disagree with what you said. Um, I understand. I'm where, glad you can do both. I, I understand where you see the progress from the offense. That being said, you seeing it's great. The coaching staff doesn't seem to see it because right. in the beginning of that game, in this way, so I, I put this loss on the offense. I And I'm going to say some things about the defense that are going to piss people off, but buckle up, okay? In the first half of that game, they were yeah. doing things offensively that re- we really haven't seen them do this year that yeah. were working. The throw up the seam on the touchdown to Hunter Henry, Evan, correct me if I'm wrong. I think that was Mac Jones' best throw in the NFL. Just yeah. everything about it, the timing, the placement, all of it. Um, but as soon as things went south, they 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 bunkered down and they went back into what they've been doing all year, this overly conservative. They didn't embrace the strides the offense is making. They didn't continue to let Mac Jones and these tight ends do what they've done. There were some questionable personnel decisions from the offense as well. I don't know why Isaiah Wynn was put in that game. He hadn't practiced in two weeks. He was coming off COVID IR. Uh, I'm not entirely sure why. I thought he was active on an emergency basis. He comes in. He got beat. Obviously not as bad as Yadni Kajust, but he got beat um, for, for a big play. On third big down. Big yeah. play on third down, right? When, you know, they have Justin Huron. Michael Owen when it was their tackles. I don't know why Wynn was in the game. So this gets to my point of what happened with the defense. The Patriots were outsnapped. They were outrepped in this game. 82 to 50. A yeah. 32 snap differential. For context, the Patriots average about 62 snaps per game. They'd actually run the same number of their their the plays as opponents coming into this game. They'd run 313, their opponents would run 313. 313. But about 60 plays a game. You asked that defense to play 82 snaps against one of the best offenses in football, and at a certain point, the breaking point's going to come. Through 59 minutes and 40 seconds, they held that offense to 20 points. They held that offense, which coming into the game was one of only two offenses in the league, over 50% on third down. They held that offense to three of 13 on third down. That's a winning effort from the defense. I know people want to point to the yards. I don't give a crap about the yards. Yeah. I really don't. I yards, don't there's no, do, do you see yards on the scoreboard? Right. I don't give a crap about the yards. They held them to 20 points through 59-40. You should win that game. Meanwhile, the offense had six drives between the second and third quarters. Those drives lasted three, 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 four, and five plays. Five of them ended in punts. One of them was the strip sack. That's not enough to look at it in a different context, Evan. There were, you take the last drive of the game away, the, the game winning touchdown, because you can't respond to that. The game's over. Right. The Cowboys had five drives where they scored points, five drives where they didn't. The drives where the Cowboys scored points, the Patriots responded by scoring 22. Like uh, coming off drives where the Cowboys scored, the Patriots ensuing drives result in 22 points. That's pretty good. You have to have a good counterpunch if you want to win in this league. And that's not always easy because you probably don't have great field position after your opponent scores. But what's more important is you need to score after your defense makes a stop. That's short fields. That's opportunities to flip momentum, to take the game. Coming off drives where the Cowboys did not score, 
The Patriots totaled just seven points, and they came on that first three-play drive after the fourth down stop. The defense gave this offense opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to put this game away. The offense never ran with it. And yes, could the defense have been better on the third and 25? Sure. Absolutely, they could have been better on the third and 25. But that play would have never happened. That play should have never happened if the offense ran with the opportunities the defense gave them. Now, why the offense stalled out, I'm sure we'll get into that. That's a separate conversation. But that's why I put this game on the offense. Because the defense did their job. The defense stopped the Cowboys time and time again. But that offense, that that Cowboys offense is just so damn good. It was only going to last for so long. 82 plays is too much of an ask. Third of 13, three of 13 on third down is too good of an opportunity to squander. Yeah. So in the beginning part of this game, the Patriots had given up 10 points through the Cowboys first six drives of the game, right? They forced a three and out at the first drive of the second half. They forced a three and out. They had given up 10 points. They had turned them over twice, right? The fumble on the goal line and the interception by Kyle Duggar. And then they turned them over on downs as well. So really three turnovers, essentially, for the defense in the first six drives. Then the next six drives to end the game, or five drives, excuse me, end the game, the Cowboys go 80 yards touchdown, 66 yards field goal, 50 yards missed field goal, 55 yards field goal, 80 yards touchdown to win the game. So – when you look at the drive chart by Dallas, you see the effect of being out there for 92 plays. 82. Taking, 92. You see it like right in front of your face, right? Of, of the defense just falling off a cliff after the first six drives of the game because they've been out there for so long. Yeah. And real quick, because you said 92 instead of 82, but it's funny you bring up 92. That was the play total. So Patriots fans should be familiar with this mechanic. In Super Bowl 51, the 28-3 comeback, the Patriots outrepped the Falcons 92 to 46. Yeah. This is a strategy teams use to win football games. They they just try to outrep the other team and just wear the defense down. A team like Dallas is perfectly built to run that sort of offensive strategy. And it comes back to you know, the defense was on the field for 40 minutes. They just needed a rest. They just needed yeah. a rest, and the Patriots offense couldn't give it to them. So I want to talk about why the Patriots offense couldn't give it to them in the second. But the last point I wanted to make about the defense, the reason why I said 92 is because Bill Belichick calls it 92 because there was 10 offensive penalties against Dallas in this game as well. So 82 plays that counted, 10 more plays that didn't count. But even though those plays don't count on the box score, you still have to go out there and play the down. Oh, right. right? Yeah. Okay. Fair right? enough. Right. So, yeah. so that, that's why you, you talk about 92. So the defense held the dam for six drives against Dallas. The dam broke on the seventh drive. Right. And from that point on, they were in trouble on the offensive side of the football. There's two things at play here that both, I think, are when we start to get into the conversation about how do they dig themselves out of this, can they dig themselves out of this, need to change to dig themselves out of it, right? One of them is the pass protection in the offensive line play. So the Patriots on their, uh, now I got getting caught up in numbers and possessions here. I believe it was their fourth possession of the game. They had scored, or third possession of the game, excuse me. They had scored touchdowns on the first two possessions, of the game, the short field from the Dallas 34, they scored the touchdown and then they scored the touchdown on the next drive, going the length of the field in four plays. Right. 
And that was the drive where Ramondre Stevenson got hit up the seam. Hunter Henry gets the seam for the touchdown. And the Patriots offense, probably the best scripted drive of this season for Josh McDaniels, was that four-play, 75-yard touchdown drive in the first quarter. So the next drive after that, they hit a touchdown to Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers finally gets in the end zone. Everybody's jacked up. It's 21 to 7. And there's a holding call on James Ferentz on the offensive line, right? That wipes yeah. out the touchdown. The very next play, Yadni Kajus gets dusted by Randy Gregory, and it's a strip sack, and they turn the football over. So you go holding penalty on the offensive line, followed by a strip sack allowed by your right tackle in two consecutive plays to completely change the momentum of the game. Right, you go from twenty-one to seven to Dallas now having the football down fourteen to seven after a turnover. So a huge momentum swing in the game there. On the other third down issues, you have Isaiah Wynn getting bullied by Randy Gregory as well on a sack on third down. Mac Jones missed one throw to Jacoby Myers on a slant that would have converted a third down. They didn't convert there, and then the third and one run by Brandon Bolden. I'm going to audible and talk about cannabis, specifically Massachusetts premier cannabis dispensaries, INSA, I-N-S-A. They're the premier because the founders, Pat and Pete, re-engineered the cannabis model from what they sell to how they sell it while never forgetting it's for everyone. INSA dispensaries are inviting and modern, so come in just to learn more. The staff are authorities on the science who answer every question from the differences between flowers and concentrates to offering for insomnia and anxiety, or reco for hanging with friends. Insa has a world-class head chef too and only hires the most respected growers who perfected their craft when it wasn't so legit. One last thing, the Insa founders aren't VCs from Silicon Valley, but lifelong pals from Springfield. So there's another local team to root for, Insa. In Salem, East Hampton, Boston Delivery, and two Springfield locations, including just one off I-91 beside the MGM Casino. Mention we said to stop by for a sweet t-shirt or for one penny, insa.com or 877-500-INSA. So offensive line struggles on both the third and short yardage play and the sacks, right, were huge. And then you also talk, get into this conversation, which everybody's been asking the coaching staff over the last couple of days about fourth down decision-making and the fact that the Patriots are not playing aggressively. So based off, and I know you hate the math, Alex, but based off the math, the Patriots are now the most conservative fourth down play calling team in the entire NFL. They go for it and go for it situations less than any other team in the entire National Football League. And on top of the fourth down decision-making, they also kneeled out the half before halftime. And Belichick's excuse, I pray to God that that's not the actual reason why he nailed out the half. And there's something bigger at play here that he just doesn't want to tell us about because he doesn't want to throw Mac Jones under the bus or he doesn't want to throw his offense under the bus. And he's saying, oh yeah, we just wanted to go in to halftime and eat our eat our peanut butter and jellies and regroup and, and take a breather and, and get a, the game plan ready for the second half. If that's truly what it was, then that's despicable. 
right? That is just a terrible reasoning. So you couple together the offensive line woes, the, the sacks, the penalties against the offensive line, and you add into that the fact that the Patriots refuse, basically flat out refuse to go for it on fourth down, regardless of the situation. And that's how you get six drives in a row where you basically go nowhere. So I, I will say with the fourth down in overtime, that's not they they'd been doing that even towards the end when Brady was here. They stopped going. This is not new. Remember that? No, no, right? no. Very but, important. Yeah. yeah. Matt Dahl pointed this out on, on our Patriots podcast. You can check out 985thesportsup.com. But what do those two situations have in common, Evan? Would it be between kneeling, kneeling the ball out at halftime and not going for it on fourth down? Or, or sorry, I, I, not, yeah, not going for it on fourth down and overtime. They chose to take the offense off the field. Everybody's looking at it, the fourth down decision, in talking about Bill trusts the defense too much. But what if he doesn't trust the offense enough? Yeah. What if we're not, what we, I think people might be looking at that backwards because, first of all, you have to get the fourth down. Shout out to Sean McDermott and the Buffalo Bills. You don't just go, going for it doesn't mean you keep moving on, right? Yeah. Um, second of all, you then have to keep going and score. They, right. they wouldn't have even been, they would have been just over, not even at midfield. I forget which 46. They and, well, they were at the 46, their own 46. Which, okay, so here's Wait, Alex, the, Alex, Alex. Well, so wait, can I make one more point? Yes. Here's the weird thing about that play too. And I think they should have gone for it. I, yeah. I don't like the math dictating it, but I think common sense tells you in that spot to go for it. Right. To me, it's about him not trusting the offense more than him over trusting the defense. But the weirdest thing to me, even if they knew they were going to punt, two things. First off, it's fourth and three. Try to get him to jump off sides. Yeah. At the very, I mean, they sent the punt team right out there. Yeah. And take the delay. Try to get them to jump off sides and you take the delay there. It makes yeah. it an easier kick. The Cowboys got the ball at the 20. Jake Bailey hasn't quite been what he was last year, but I think he pins them inside the 10 there. Yeah. So to me, the issue isn't necessarily that they punted. It's that they just, they, there was no hesitation. They didn't even try to get the Cowboys to jump. And that tells me, regardless of what happened on that fourth down, whether they went for it or not, Bill didn't think the offense was going to score from that point. They had given up on the offense already at that point in the game. So we just went over for the first 10 minutes of the show about all of the things that happened in terms of the play discrepancy in this game and how the Patriots defense held Dallas down for six, the first six drives of the game and then broke the dam on the seventh drive. The dam had already been broken in overtime. The odds of the Patriots stopping Dallas and holding it. Cause remember at that point, all Dallas needs is a field goal, right? They don't even need the touchdown. They just need a field goal to beat you at that point. The, the odds of the Patriots holding Dallas and forcing a punt on that drive I don't care about the math on it. The, just common sense tells you that the odds are very, very slim. that The Patriots defense is going to get a stop, especially with the way that they looked on the last five drives before the drive in overtime, right? I mean, there's just no way that they were going to get that stop. So you look at it that way. But most importantly, and the word that I, I the, the term that's, I think, really what we're all getting at here is that Bill Belichick has developed a tactic to be loss averse, right? He is trying not to lose. Instead, Instead of going of out there win, yeah. and playing to win, Belichick has decided that it's best for his football team 
to try not to lose. And his reasoning on EEI on Monday morning, they asked him, did you think about going for it on fourth down and overtime? And he said, no, not really, because one first down beats you because they're already in field goal range. So he's already thinking about it on the other side. He's not thinking, oh, if our offense on fourth and three picks this up, we could win the game. He's thinking, if we don't pick it up, we're going to lose the game, right? And, and that's how you get yourself beat, especially especially when you're the underdog. If you're the team, if you're Tom Brady's Patriots and you're the dynasty era Pats and they want to play it more conservatively, I don't necessarily mind that because if you punt it over to the offense on fourth down, then Brady is probably going to come back and score on the next drive anyways, right? So I'm not as concerned about it if you have a Brady still here. But now that you are the underdog and you are the team that is trying to beat the top seed in the NFC, you have to play more aggressive. And the frustrating part about it to me is, Alex, how much did times did we joke and laugh and point fingers at opponents that would come into Gillette Stadium, play the Patriots tough for three and a half quarters, and then kick a field goal or punt it back to Brady or do something conservatively, right? All the time, we used to say, ha-ha, you don't beat Brady like that. Right, you're not going to beat beat Belichick and Brady like that, kicking field goals and not going for it and not playing aggressively. Boo you! Now the Patriots have become that team that is not the favorite, that is not the team that's in position to play conservatively, and they're the ones playing it. They were underdogs at home to Dallas, underdogs at home. And they're kicking on every, they're punting on every fourth down. They're punting in overtime. They're kneeling before the half. You are not going to pull off upsets in this league playing that conservatively. Yeah. I mean, just to go back to that comment about, you know, if they get one first down, they're in field goal range. It kind of proves my point. He didn't trust, he didn't, he didn't not, he didn't go trust for the it. offense. Right. Right. He, he did not go for it. We're going to lose if I do this it. instead of we're going to win if we do this. Right. And that, that's a backwards it. way of thinking it. He didn't not go for it because he wanted to put the defense on the field so bad. The reason he didn't go for it is because he didn't want the he didn't think the offense could do it. Right. Loss and I'll tell you what, this offense should be able to pick up fourth and three. They absolutely should. They should be able to pick up third and three, but they haven't been able to like just talent wise. People are talking about this team's not talented enough. Oh, it's bullshit. That's that's they're not my a wagon. Like they're not yeah. the 07 Patriots. This yeah. team has a ton of talent. Yeah. This team has a ton of talent. It's usage. It's 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 personnel choices, it's play calling decisions that are killing them right now. This team's talented enough to pick up that fourth and three. Absolutely, they're talented enough to yeah. pick up that fourth and three. They but they have to be put in the right spot to do it, and that's been the issue. So the the, the talent thing is easily easily the most frustrating narrative I think about this Patriots team this season. You want to talk about talent last year? Yeah, they weren't as talented last year. Yeah, yeah, Th that that is a hundred percent fair. Let's run through it. This team has talent. Where? In the comments. Let's run through it. They Damian Harris, good back. Damian Harris, legitimate yeah. starting running back. They're missing a second back as a legitimate starting back. They have two, at least two top 15 tight ends. Johnny right. Smith, it, he might not be 10, but he's probably 11 or 12. They got two top 15 tight ends. I think Nelson Aguilar, I know we had the drop. Nelson Aguilar is the legit third option, which he is on this team. Right. I like Jacoby Myers in the slot. And Kendrick Bourne has shown us a ton. Yeah. Kendrick Bourne, again. It's not Brady, it's not Moss, Welker, Stallworth, but it's a legitimate group. Yeah. Last year, everybody they averaged 11 offense, yards per attempt in this right. game. I would say yeah. Aguilar's an upgrade over Bird. I would say Myers is an upgrade over the player he was last year. 
Who's born even stepping in for from he's last just, year's team? Well, he's it should just, have been it should have been most new, right? I, he, right. So he, he's an upgrade. Yeah. So Kendrick Bourne is an upgrade over nobody. Right. The offensive line, in theory, has talented players. They're just banged up, and Isaiah Isaiah Wynn has been the one guy where you can point to a lack of talent. He's been disappointing. Right. And then defensively, we've seen it. Barmore's been excellent. Judon's been excellent. Yeah. Jamie Collins, when they put him on the field, which isn't enough, looked good yesterday. Uh, JC Jackson had not, a good maybe game not so much with Jamie Collins. Blew, blew some gaps in uh, the run game for sure. Uh, all right, I, I there were a couple moments in coverage where he stood out to me. I didn't watch. Him so, so my my whole thing about going. Oh, wait, to- hang on. So that would go to the point. Yeah, Juwan Bentley should be in the game in running situations. Right. Collins should be in the game in passing situations. It was backwards yesterday. So that yeah. proves the point. It's not a talent thing. It's asset management. I, so I, I look at the talent conversation. The reason why I get frustrated by that is because the Patriots have now gone toe-to-toe with Tampa Bay and Dallas, right? Two of the best teams in the NFL, two teams that very well could be in the NFC Championship game in a couple of months. And they came overtime away from beating Dallas and a field goal away from beating the Bucks. If you have no talent on this roster, then you're losing those games like the Jets lose those games, right? Yeah. Or you're losing those games like the Jaguars lose those games. They have hung tough with good teams this year in those two teams. And the other thing that I look at with this is that, and we talk about this all the time with Bill the GM, right? In, in terms of, okay, uh, Bill the GM is hurting Bill the coach because he's not getting good players in here and yada, yada, yada. Bill, to me, is a blessing and a, and a curse in so many different ways because his system and his ability to coach the fundamental and core techniques of his system is still fantastic. It's still top-notch. And in a lot of ways, because they have Bill Belichick, they're in all these football games, right? Because they are so sound in their schemes and their game plans are solid. But in the other vein, he really is killing themselves, killing them with game management. And when you see these things counteracting each other, you say, oh man, if they were to move on from Bill, then the football would get worse, but maybe they would be more aggressive, right? And, and, and you go back and forth with all these things. And it's really difficult to evaluate Bill as a coach for, in that en- essence because he is still a very good big picture coach, right? The systems still work. The game plans still work when they're executed correctly. But the little things are starting to pass him by a little bit. And, and that's where I really think that this team needs to focus uh, moving forward is – being able to focus all that stuff back into where it needs to be and getting it right back right on track. When's the last time they talked about this after the game, Devin McCourty did that. They didn't have enough defensive backs because they had some injuries in the defensive backfield. Juwan Williams was was a healthy scratch. Uh, Miles Bryant did not get called up for the game from the practice squad. And they had a spot. They only elevated one guy. Right. And they didn't have enough defensive backs. That's game day roster management. You and I have talked about this off the air a little bit the other night after the game. You have Jakob Johnson active for the game over another DB or over another uh, depth player or someplace else, and then you barely use them, right? So roster game day management, 
game management in game in terms of fourth uh, down and, and two minute drills and stuff like that. And then on top of all of that, the game plan that they rolled out in the first half was working. And I truly felt like they hit the panic button a little bit in the second half. And they started blitzing Prescott, who's amazing against the blitz. And they got burned for it because they weren't getting any pass rush and they weren't getting any heat on the quarterback. They started getting aggressive. They ran a couple of zero blitzes. They ran a zero blitz on the last play of the game and it didn't work. So I don't know. It it just, it really is tough with Bill because he's there's for so many reasons. They are a, a competitive football team because Bill Belichick is their head coach, but in so many ways he's are also holding the team back a little bit and the coaching staff as a whole, I shouldn't just name it, right. I'll blame it all on bill. So I'll add too, cause people are saying, well, you know, you can't look at the Cowboys game and you can't look at the, the bucks game because they, they, those teams played so bad. Well, if teams keep consistently playing a poor game against you, that just means you might have a good team. Like right. that's, you know, that might means you might have good game plans for these guys. You, they so do. Yeah. It's just, it's just finishing. It's just yeah. finishing at this point. And, it, you know, it's something else you talked about there where they went away, uh, you know, from what was working offensively and they got conservative. This was weird to me. When, when was it Josh or Bill said they ran out of plays in that, that jumbo. That was Bill on Monday running. morning. Yeah. They only ran 50 offensive plays. That's 12 below their season average. So how many plays did like, you'd like to think that that was a big part of their game plan, but maybe it wasn't. And, and let's hope they put some more in. Cause that should be a big part of their, game I always plan talk about the script, the Patriots, ran out on the script, right? They, they also had a script. They used the script on the first two drives of the game and really the third drive as well. But it, the, the the scripted touchdown got called back by a holding penalty on James Farron. So it Myers TD, right? So they had three da- drives of script essentially. And I always make fun of other teams for running out on the script, right? Oh yeah, you had a great first drive against the Patriots defense. Uh, uh, you know, you go down the field in 15 plays and score a touchdown with all these scripted screens, reverses, motion, play action, all this kind of creative stuff. But then what do you do the rest of the game? This time it was the Patriots. They did nothing the rest of the game, right? And, and it's really, it's really frustrating because you know that Bill is a very, very good coach. You know that the team is coached well because they're competitive in all these games. Max development, I am pretty high on at this point. I think they have him on a great track, especially when you compare him to the other rookie quarterbacks and what they look like. The other rookie quarterbacks, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, are the bottom four QBs in the league in passer rating right now, right? So yeah, the situation and all that crap, whatever. That all contributes, right? Mac Jones' head coach is going to be Bill Belichick, right? Right, so, so that's, yeah, the, the four, arguably the four worst coaches in the league, right? Would yeah. you say those four quarterbacks? Or at least inexperienced, right? You know, guys that haven't been in the league for very long. I don't know if Robert Sala is a bad coach, but he's just, that's true. he has only been head coach for well, six weeks. Yeah, all right. So I'll take Sala, because I actually do like Sala. Um, yeah. But three of those guys, three of the worst coaches in the league. Nagy's been around long enough to know. Oh, yeah. Maggie has been around long enough to know and Urban Meyer should have never been hired to begin with. We all knew that. Um, and I I don't think Kyle Shanahan's one of the worst coaches in the league, but I've been pretty blunt about how I feel about Kyle Shanahan on the show. Um, that's not that's why I'm not jumping on to. Hey, it's time to move on from Bill because it's definitely not time to move on. Yeah, from Bill. You're, you're not it's, there yet. But and, it's and also, he's also well, not free of criticism. He, right. You're right. But I just want to address the people who are saying you need to move on from him. 
No, it's that's the crazy. same thing. This, I'm going to say the same thing I said to the people who wanted to move on from Brady in like 2017, 2018. Right. You don't know what's on the other side of oh, that yeah. door. Right. You do not know what's on the other side of that door. And more often than not, you're not going to like what you see when you open it. So I'll take a bill kind of refiguring things out over whatever the hell is next. And by the way, I think we all know who's next. And I'll stand by what I just said. Yeah, no, definitely not. No need to fire Bill by any means. Don't need to move on from Bill. But certainly his in-game management deserves criticism. And I actually think at this point with this particular team, this season, the in-game management is holding them back way, way more than Bill the GM is holding them back. Do you think it's, do you think it's Ernie leaving? I thought about that after the game the other day because I was trying to think of what has changed. Now, they became more conservative even when Ernie was here, but now they've hit rock bottom. But right? we also they, know Ernie was doing less the last couple of years. Yeah, so they've gone – last year they were 20th in the league and going for it on fourth down when the math told them to go for it. So definitely way more conservative than the rest of the league average – on average, but not dead last, right? Not not all the way at the bottom in those metrics. So this has been a precipitous drop-off, right? This has been a slow churning point to get here. And now we're at the point where it's fourth and three from your 46 or fourth and three from the 50. And we're punting to gain 30 yards of field position. And it's just wild to me especially with how good mac jones looked in this game and i i wanted to bring it back to that because mac jones for the first time i would say in a couple of years the patriots actually beat man coverage in the passing game the the book for the patriots really since i would say 2018 but certainly since 2019 has been play man to man on the back end and force their receivers to get off press man coverage and make guys and, and get open against uh, you know aggressive man coverage. In this game, Dallas played cover one man to man seventy six percent of the time, and Mac Jones threw for nearly eleven yards per attempt. And Hunter Henry caught a touchdown against man coverage. Nelson Aguilar caught a twenty seven yarder against man coverage. Kendrick Bourne caught the seventy five yarder against man coverage. So they were out there actually beating man coverage for once which is why i feel so optimistic about this is that mac was getting the football down the field threw it deep four times four for four on 20 plus yard throws 8.6 air yards per attempt actually pushing the ball down the field and they were actually beating man coverage down the field and all of these things end up looking good on offense plus they ran the ball pretty effectively on offense as well. They averaged over five yards per carry with their backs in this game. So the offense looks like it's starting to click a little bit. And now's the time that you have to trust it more to get it over the hump. And if the Patriots call these games a little bit more aggressively and they go for the juggler when the juggler is there, then I think that they're going to be able to win some more of these football games. Now, when we talk about how they fix the issues that are plaguing them, I think number one on the list for a lot of people is the offensive line. But I actually want to talk about the defense for a second. And do you agree, I guess, Alex, with my evaluation of the defense that they they kind of are what they are? 
because sure you can make marginal improvements within the season you get better at certain things you drill certain things you have better game plans maybe but it feels to me like this is the talent level of their defense now right they have a good not great secondary matt judon's really and and barmore I, i would throw in there as well those are those are their two guys that really are, are, are the guys that are in the pass rush, right? And in this game, the biggest issues that they had were they couldn't pressure Dak Prescott. And See, I feel like they did. I, I They didn't get a sack, but I re- they were getting him off his spot quite a bit. They, now, Dak is Dak, and he's an MVP candidate for a reason. He adjusted, and maybe that's why the pressure didn't look as much, but I think a lesser quarterback, they really get in his head. And you say they are what they are defensively. You say that with kind of a negative connotation. Top 10 scoring defense in the NFL. Like, yeah. I think they are what they are, but I mean that in the best way possible. They are what they are, and they are one of the top defenses in the league. I truly still believe that. And again, I actually thought they got some pressure. I, I, I think Dak, they made good plays. Dak made better plays, right? What's the line? Those guys get paid too. Um, Matt Judon is starting to get some, like, Rob Gronkowski-esque non-calls on him. Held pretty much at least once a drive in that game. Yeah. I... I fully believe in this defense. I fully you this believe defense, in the defense. This defense this season has given them has given them four winning efforts, four winning efforts in six weeks, four unquestionably winning efforts. They're one and three in those games. Yeah, that's like what do you, I don't understand. Again, the yards weren't pretty. I think it was the most yardage Bill Belichick has ever allowed, going back to when he was a, a DC with the Giants. But at the same time. It was only the 11th time that an opponent's run 80 or more plays against them. Yeah. It was it was a pure volume game. I, I, I'll i say it again. I will keep saying this as long as I cover football. I don't give a crap about yards. Yards mean nothing to me. Because if you keep points off the board, you did your job. There's no style points on defense. Turnovers are great. Field position's important. But I don't give a crap about yards. They've kept yeah. points off the board all season. They're doing their job. They're not... The, you give if, if if the defense was their biggest problem, if the defense playing this way was their biggest problem, they would be at least four and two right now. I feel very confident in saying that. So I, I didn't say the defense was bad. I just said the defense was You said good. they were good, not great. I think they're, they're not great. great. I think you, they're great. You think they're great. They're not elite. They're not elite. I top ten scoring defense. Top top ten scoring defense, top third of the league. I'd call that great. So I push back a little bit on the past. So, so the results yep. are great. Let me, let me, let me yeah, I, I, qualify that. The results are great. So what I see with this defense, look, uh, pass rush wise, PFF had them at a 27% pressure rate on Dak Prescott. I, I, personally, when I watched the game back, I felt like he had all day to throw. But besides the point, he's one of those guys, I guess, too, uh, that, Pressure is difficult with him because you're trying to collapse the pocket around him so you don't let him out of the pocket. And in reality, that you're not really beating blocks that way, right? It's not like you're getting free guys to the quarterback because these guys are so worried about containing. Contain, contain, contain. That's what you have to do against Dak Prescott. To a degree, but... I think what ends up happening, a lot of these game plans for the Patriots when they go up against these mobile quarterbacks, the same thing with Deshaun Watson and why Deshaun Watson always has his has their number. These Some of these mobile quarterbacks, not all of them are Lamar Jackson, right? Some of these guys can truly stand in the pocket and beat you 
from the pocket. Dak Prescott's one of them. Deshaun Watson's another one where they can beat you just as easily throwing from the pocket. And if you give them time and space in the pocket to make throws down the field, and well, they're going to throw what Deshaun threw for what almost 400 last year against them. And this year, Dak throws for 446 or whatever it was. So that game plan uh, of contain rush, I think, works in, in theory, but. Every quarterback is, has issues, you know, is easy, has more time and more space. Kept clean is going to be better, right? They're going to be better kept clean than versus under pressure. And then you also add into the fact with Dak that you're rushing for all of those four guys are 270 plus pounds, and he's so nimble that he just goes over here to his left, goes over here to his right, and all of a sudden he's got another second and a half, right? So, I, I think that the lack of pass rush really contributed to this game a lot. But most importantly, when I look at this secondary, last two weeks, Alex, there's been a lot of guys open against this secondary. A lot of guys open. And part of this to me is just football in 2021 is different than it was 20 years ago. And you're not going to have uh, 01 pads defense or 03 pads defense probably ever again in the way that the rules are set up. So to me, this defense is good enough to keep them in games and they're good enough to keep the game competitive and they're good enough to not get blown up the doors off of them. Right. And they're good enough to keep the points per game down and all that kind of stuff. But are they difference making on that side of the ball? Are they, are they, are they tone setting difference making on that side of the football where unless they're going up against Zach Wilson, Right or or a right. quarterback like that when they play Dak, or or they play a, a a game against a good offense, are they able to go out there and impose their will and set the tone and dominate that game from start to finish? I think they can be. I, I really think they can. It probably comes more from the defensive front. We're, we're used to that that tone coming from the secondary the last couple of years. I think it more so comes from the front now. Um, I think they can be. Again, they showed flashes. Can they be, strong. or are they, though? I'm going to press you on this. Like, are they right now a defense that you are confident in going up against a good team, a good offense, and they can go in there and shut it down for four quarters? Through it, it through 65 plays, yes. If you're going to ask them to play 85, 90 plays, no, because okay. I, that's any defense. But again, you look at the stops they got early in that game, they set the tone the first half of that game. Right. When we were in, if that game ended at halftime, all of the columns would have been Patriots defense set the tone against an elite offense. That's what it would have been. Right. We, the, the, the team is just any, and like you talked about, just the way the game works in the modern era, you can only ask so much of however good your defense yeah. is. You can only ask so much of your defense. And I think they're just, it's, it's, Bill always talks about complementary football, complementary football. The offense picks up the defense, defense picks up the offense, special teams. It's the phases capitalizing when one of them makes a play. The defense is doing everything right now, and they, they kept getting left holding the bag. You, I, I think the defense is absolutely doing what's asked of them. It's the other two phases that need to rise to that level. Let me let me flip the question back on you. If and this is super subjective, and I know you're going to hate this question, but just play along. Right. If the offense was playing to the relative level that the defense is, yes, what do you think the record would be? So I think that your point. Yeah, the defense is holding up its end of the bargain is spot on because yep. the defense in 2021 is holding up their end of the bargain. 
And I think a lot of people look at football and the NFL these days, and they are expecting a great defense to be what it was 10 years ago with the Legion of Boom. Exactly. I think you're, yes. 20 years ago with the, with the first, the three and four Patriots, right? In the beginning of the 2000s or the 85 Bears or the Steel Curtain in the 70s or whatever. Oh, two bucks. Whatever great defense you want to name. Uh, The 2000 Ravens. They're expecting to see that. That is never coming back. That's never coming back. There is never going, but yeah, there's never going to be another defense that all year long is going to be that good. The 19 defense was good for half the year and then they tailed off, right? The 19 defense was good for 10 games, nine, 10 games, and then they tailed off. The 18 defense was great in the postseason, but wasn't as good in the regular season. These defenses in this day and age with these quarterbacks, with these skilled players, you are trying to hold the fort. You are just trying not to get overrun, right? That That's what defense is nowadays. Right. So in order to be competitive and in order to win more of these football games, the, the unit that needs to get better and be more aggressive is the offense, 110%. Yeah. But my point is, is that I don't think we are going to see a dominant defense here in New England this year, mainly because that probably doesn't exist anywhere. Right. Well, that, that's what anymore. I'm saying. When I say yeah. I think the defense is great, I mean relative to modern standards. Right. So like that's what I'm, the, the defense, again, that when I say the defense is great, what I mean is I would say in four of the six games this year, you could argue a fifth. The only one they didn't do this is Houston, which oddly enough, the Patriots won. Yeah. But in five of the games, unquestionably, or in four of the games, unquestionably, we can debate the Saints game. In four of the games, unquestionably, the defense has done enough to put the team in a position to win the game. And in 2021, that's what you're asking from your defense. Yes. You're just saying, hey, get us in a spot where we can win the game. They've done it in at least four, maybe a fifth with Miami. The only game they didn't do it is Houston. In games where the defense has given them a chance to win, they're one and three or one and four. So that's what I mean by I say, and, and I think... The Cowboys game was a perfect example of that. The defense was ultimately on the field when the game was lost. And that's why I think people blame the defense because it's easy because you saw the defense on the field as the game ended. Yeah. But it's, you got to look at the game as a whole. You know, we talk about game flow. Like what was the flow of the game? What led up to the third and 25? What allowed that pass to CD Lamb to happen? What happened earlier in the game that created those circumstances? And when you look at that, the offense is on the field in those moments that led up to the, the, the spot that the Patriots defense was in. Yeah, so I think we're in agreement here. We just kind of got here in a, in a twisty way, right? That the defense is good, not great, because in my mind, in today's NFL, defense is good, not great, right? It, it's just too I'm, hard. I'm, so I'm saying... Do you think they're great relative all 32 defenses in the NFL current yeah. defenses? Let's say great is the top third. Are they a great defense by that definition? I just have to say the word great is really killing me. I I think that they are a if to me, elite is top five. I think they are an upper tier defense, right? They're they're not they're not they're they're not 16 or worse, right? They're they're somewhere in the in the one to fifteen range. All right. So, so- so they're above the, the line, right? They're above the right. line of demarcation on defense. Offensively, they have a longer way to go. So, And I think they can get there offensively. I yeah. think that's part of the reason it's so frustrating. 
because yeah. the offense has shown flashes of getting there. They're just there's a number of things, some of which are very much in their control that are holding them back. So I want to name, I want to get to two things because we talked a lot about, about philosophical things here today, which I like. I like, yeah. sometimes we, you know, I get caught up in the trees and not the forest, right? So I'm glad that we had some of these. We didn't do the play breakdown today. I was hoping you were going to do the touchdown of Hunter Henry. I, I, I can do it real quick at the end. I had okay. a, I had it, I had it pulled. Don't worry. I had okay. it pulled. All right. So the two things I want to talk about before we get to that, number one, the, Number one thing I used to sit with Dante Scarnecchia whenever we had assistant coaches available. Alex, you remember I used to sit down with Dante Scarnecchia for like 20 minutes and just listen to the guy talk and just listen to what he was talking about with offensive line play and their philosophies. Cause he was really open about a lot of the Patriots big picture, broad stroke philosophies with offensive line play. And the one thing that he always harped was continuity continuity being number one that he could work with lesser talent or lesser players but if he has the same five guys out there all the time that he would get that group to perform well the Patriots going out on the in this game on Sunday and going drive to drive essentially with their offensive line is killing them it is doing them a real disservice because offensive line play is a lot like a lot of things in sports that are rhythm based, right? It's it, you have to get into the game. You have to get a rhythm. You have to get a sweat. You have to. It's like a shooter in basketball or a pitcher in baseball that you kind of have to. You have to feel out the game and then get into it a little bit. And having guys in and then out and then in and then out and you have Isaiah Wynn playing without practicing and you have Mike Onwenu playing tackle after only practicing for a couple of days after the COVID and, and Onwenu played the best, right? Onwenu probably played the best. They need to settle on an offensive line. And if they yeah. settle, the aggressiveness stuff, I think is a really big part of the reason why uh, they're they're losing a lot. Of, ga- of these games, but I also think a major reason why their offense isn't where it needs to be is the offensive line play, and they need to settle on a five-man combination, and then they just need to roll with it. Even if Trent Brown, in theory, is better, or Isaiah Wynn, in theory, is better, they need to settle on a five-man combination, and if Justin Haran is at left tackle, then Justin Haran is at left tackle. Yeah. Isn't that what I said last week, right? That you got to, you got to figure it out at this point. You can't keep, and and by figure it out, if they want to test players, and it's, it's, it's probably too late in the season for this, but here we are. It's got to be game to game. It can't be drive to drive, half to half. You're just doing the players a disservice. Yeah. You got to pick your five. And obviously health is a big part of this, but you know, have they had a game yet this year? where all five linemen played 100% of the snaps? I don't think so. I, and I don't think so either. That's generally, you know, outside of health, that's generally how they operate, right? So they need to do that this week. Pick your five, and unless one of those guys gets hurt, that's your five. And right. whatever you think that five should be, I I would honestly put win on the bench. I'd probably go Haran, Karras, Andrews, I said, I don't know who I'm putting at the other guard. No one went Mason, assuming Shaq. Mason, thank you. I don't know yeah. why I missed. Yeah, because he was inactive last week. Like, that's, or I guess Mason would be on the left side, right? Did I get that backwards? No, no, no. He's on the okay. right side, right guard. So, so I'd go Haran, 
Karras, Andrews, Mason, and Wenu. Go with those five, put them out there, and keep them out there. If if Karras starts to struggle, if Onwenu starts to struggle, right, you got to ride or die with them. And yeah. Just let it happen. I think that has to be what they do here. So I'm not 100% sold that they'll bench Isaiah Wynn just because they picked up his $10 million fifth-year option. And I feel like they almost need to see if he can figure this out because – First 18 games of Isaiah Wynn's career, he was a solid left tackle in the league. And somehow, for some reason, the the dam, you know, the dam broke on him, right? You know, like it, 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 for some whatever happened, I don't know. But something happened with Isaiah Wynn. Maybe it was trading his buddy Sony, right? Maybe he's upset that Sony Michelle's not here. I don't know. But something happened with Isaiah Wynn. And he has just completely fallen off. So if if Trent Brown is healthy then I think Trent Brown eventually comes back and plays left tackle, right? I'm not fully convinced that Trent Brown is ever going to be healthy again for this team. And I'm not counting on it until I actually see it because I was told multiple times he's coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back. And then next thing you know, he lands on injured reserve. So I have no idea if Trent Brown is actually going to come back. So your line that you mentioned, Haran, Karras, Andrews, Mason, and on when at right tackle, those are the five guys that are playing the best, right? Those are the five guys that are currently playing the best. Will they expect win to come out of this rut and, and start to turn it around potentially? And I, I could see him being at left tackle. They are not moving Isaiah Wynn to guard. I, I, everybody keeps on throwing since the day they drafted him, that people keep on throwing at me, move Isaiah Wynn to guard. It's not happening. They're not, they don't see him as a guard. They see him as a tackle. So we'll, we'll see what happens in terms of if they trust Tehran enough to go with him over Wynn, even though Wynn is the first round pick and the $10 million fifth year option, the investment is Isaiah Wynn. So we'll see if they're willing to bench that. The other element of this I wanted to bring up quickly with the offense, Ramondre Stevenson. Heck yeah. Yeah, he was awesome. He was awesome. Let's get Ramondre Stevenson in the game and let's get Brandon Bolden back on special teams and nowhere near the offense. But But they still don't have enough backs. Even if you do that, even if you do that, you have to activate JJ Taylor. And even that, like, I, 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 I'm a broken record at this point. Everybody say it with me. They need to bring in another back and Lamar Miller just signed to somebody's practice squad. I didn't see who I think it was Jacksonville. Maybe Um, you can, you know, nothing against Stevenson. I do think he should play more, but the bodies just aren't there. They still need another back. I'm happy Stevenson's kind of back in the swing of things and he looked good and awesome. Let's hope that keeps going. They still need another back. Yeah, I agree that they need another body, but it's so refreshing to see a guy like Ramondre Stevenson start to come on here in the passing game because he is so much more dynamic than Brandon Bolden. It's it's night and day how much more dynamic he is. Would you say, and maybe I'm reaching a little bit, that that first pass he caught, right? Remember it for the first down. It's a little James White esque there. Yeah. Making the linebacker miss. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he had the whole so they they vacated the entire underneath flat for him against Leighton Vander Esch. And Leighton Vander Esch di- didn't even I don't even think he touched him. Right. No, he didn't. I, he didn't. He didn't and Leighton Vander Esch is a good player too when he's healthy. Yeah. He's a good. Didn't player. even come close. A great cut, got up the field 13 yards, and then they hit him for 21 up the seam a few plays later. So Ramondre Stevenson's shiftiness, his ability to make guys miss, his ability to come out of the backfield and catch some passes. He is, if Brandon Bolden was 
explosive, he'd be Ramondre Stevenson, right? They're about the same size. Uh, they're kind right. of built similarly. So this offense is so much more dynamic. If they can get Ramondre Stevenson to be this good in the passing game and they put Brandon Bolden on the bench, they are so much more dynamic as a passing offense with that group out there. And the seam throw is a thing of beauty. You put Johnny Smith in the backfield also with him. And now all of a sudden he has some threats coming out of the backfield. You can go up the seam and you get three verticals to that side of the field and you flood the zone. You know, those are the types of things that you can do when the back out of the backfield is actually a factor in the passing game. So that was great to see as well. I, I thought that this offense is really starting to come along. I, I want to pull up the plays because Alex, uh, we wanted to get into some of these plays. So uh, I'll start with the, um, with the Hunter Henry touchdown. And uh, I think the, the great part about this play is that they get single high, right? Because they're in 12 personnel. They have Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry on the field together at once. And they get into single high man-to-man here. And the trust that Mac shows in Hunter Henry to just win his route and get to the spot and then win on the catch point, this is you know that they've they've built this chemistry if he's making this throw. Because I mean, we saw this in camp a ton. Yeah, so this is – everybody, when you talk about no-look passes, they think of Patrick Mahomes throwing his sidearm and his eyes are over here and he's throwing the ball over there, right? Mac essentially no-looks this pass to Hunter Henry. He never actually looks or stares at Hunter Henry to watch him win the route. He just trusts that Hunter Henry is going to win the route and be in the right place. So as we roll the play a little bit, have the post safety in the middle of the field, and as Mac gets into his drop, he's looking down the right side of the field to try to keep that safety in the middle of the field. He's looking off the safety. So he holds the safety in the middle of the field. And then right after holding the safety in kind of the same motion, he's just going to let this ball go. And it's a touchdown. Hunter Henry is, he doesn't even look at Hunter Henry, right? He doesn't even look at Hunter Henry. He just knows my guy's going to win this. I'm going to give him a chance to make the play. And by holding the safety in the middle of the field, the safety over the top is late to help on the seam route. So this is tr- that's trust, that's anticipation, uh, pre-snap alignment, being able to see it pre-snap, and just knowing where your guy is going to win, and knowing and trusting that your guy is going to make a play. Can I and, add w- one yeah. one point to this? And you tell me if I'm wrong, but just if if, if I'm reading this right. So p- part of the reason that play worked, right? Is is I don't know if it's a corner or a linebacker, whoever's covering Henry here has the is on outside leverage. Correct. This play doesn't work if that guy has inside leverage because Mac throws it before the break. This is set up because of the post touchdown last week. This is built off the post touchdown last week because I bet they're they're taking outside leverage on Hunter Henry because they saw him run that play. So this is where we talk about the progress. These these plays are again. If I'm wrong, if I'm reading too much into it, tell me. But it feels like this built off the touchdown in Houston last week. I don't know if it necessarily built off that touchdown, but your point about about leverage is really critical, right? Because yeah. he knows lined up at the snap. This this entire play is predetermined by Mac Jones before the ball is even snapped, right? Because he knows he has the safety in the middle of the field. He knows he has Hunter Henry up the seam on an outside leverage defensive back. It's Malik Hooker, uh, the safety, okay. playing Hunter Henry. He Malik Hooker has outside shade right before the snap, right? So he knows he's got Henry curling up the seam, outside leverage, 
post safety in the middle of the field. All he's got to do is hold the safety, the deep safety that is, right? Right. All he's got to do is hold the deep safety. Hunter Henry is going to have leverage on the route and then just put the ball in the right spot. And that's how he's able to let it go so freely and just let it rip. And this is something that I went back and I, I was watching some of the week two game against the Jets to look ahead to the Jets for for this week. And these are the types of throws and this one to Aguilar too, that Mac just wasn't making back in week two, right? He just wasn't playing this open. He wasn't playing this freely. And I think a lot of people put it, oh, McDaniels has to let him throw the ball down the field. McDaniels has to scheme up chances for him to throw deep. These are the types of throws that Mac just wasn't pulling the trigger on necessarily. And now he's pulling the trigger on it. Same thing with this one. Once again, Aguilar at the top of the screen, man-to-man coverage, isolated man-to-man coverage against a single high safety on the burst corner. Fake the over route, fake the crosser, break on the corner. And Mac Jones is going to get pressure in his face, but he just trusts his guy and Nelson Aguilar to win one-on-one on this rep, right? I mean, Aguilar, he starts his throwing motion before Aguilar even breaks here at the top of the route. And he just knows the safety is not going to be a factor. He's in the middle of the field. My guy's going to win the route. I'm just going to let it, let it rip, put it up there and let Aguilar make the catch. These are man-to-man coverage situations. These are guys in Henry and Aguilar who are going out there. They signed them to do this. And they're going out there and they're beating man-to-man coverage. This is good news for the Patriots. And Mac is letting the ball go, right? So all these things are starting to come together. Now you have the touchdown to Kendrick Bourne. This is the end zone view of the same play. Just let it go. Trust my guy to win the one-on-one. And Aguilar is able to do it with pressure in his face. Now here's the touchdown. And to Bourne, I mean. A lot of people, I think, have broken down this play and said that the safety took a terrible angle to it. And it wasn't really a smart throw by Mac Jones to throw this ball at the end of the day. And I actually think I understand uh, based off of watching it a couple of times, uh, what Mac Jones was thinking and why he threw this ball where he threw it. So he has Kendrick Bourne here at the bottom of the screen on the double move on uh, Trevon Diggs. And the Cowboys are going to rotate the safeties. They're going to have this safety insert into the box. And this safety is going to rally back into the middle of the field as middle of the field help. And when Bourne wins on this route at the bottom of the screen on the double move, and he gets up the field, the safety is thinking here, This the deep safety, is thinking that Mac's going to throw this ball into the boundary, right? Because that's where you would throw a vertical route. The guy stacks the defender and you throw the ball into the sideline and lead him into the boundary. So this corner or safety, excuse me, is helping over the top in this direction. So what Mac does is he sees that and he actually rips it inside of the safety. So I think he puts this ball here on purpose and he knows that Kendrick Bourne is going to cross, come across the safety's face and beat the safety to the spot here if he puts enough zip on it. And that's exactly what happens. And it throws off the angle for the safety. So I actually think that in a way, Matt Jones threw Kendrick Bourne open on this play. And this this is his best downfield throw of his career, right? I mean, obviously the furthest downfield throw. And just if he throws this outside the numbers, then I think the safety and Trevon Diggs have a better chance of making making this pick. Yep. Right, because the safety is yep. going to help here over the top, and Diggs is getting back into the play. Instead, he throws it right here into the middle of the field, and he allows Kendrick Bourne to cut into it, and, and he beats the safety that way. 
So just some really uh, encouraging signs from Mac Jones that he's letting these plays rip and he's letting these throws go. I don't know in week two, I mentioned it. Uh, I don't know if he's doing that anymore. Right. I, I don't know if he's doing that back then in week two. I don't know if he's doing the you know, first five weeks of the season. He has four completions out of 19 attempts on passes of 20 plus yards in one game. He was four for four. So these are the types of things that you hope you get to build on with the Patriots. Yeah. The the one other thing I'd add to that, and I didn't, you know, I can't remember who I saw say this. This wasn't my original idea, but that safety J Ron curse for Dallas, right. In similar situations, he's been overplaying that ball all year. Yeah. So that might be, you know, it seems like something too, that maybe against, you know, against an elite deep safety, that ball is picked off. Like if it's Devin McCourty back there, right? That ball's picked off. Right. But Max saw on film, he knows how curse is going to react to that. So he knows he could like most safeties would have picked that off. Well, it's not most safeties. It's J Ron curse. You're, it's max job to know how J Ron curse is going to react to that, to that throw, to that route. That's why they watch as much film as they do. And Mac may hit, look, it might've just been an instinct thing, but it's also very possible. Mac knew in that situation, what kind of route, Curse was going to take to that ball and knew he was safe throwing it. Yeah, I, I think he threw him open. I thought it was a great throw. I thought it was exactly where it should have been based off of the of the corner to digs underneath it and also the safety coming over the top. I think he's picked off if he throws that ball outside the numbers, but he's able to let Kendrick Bourne have a chance. And on all three of those plays that we really that we just showed, uh, the t- touchdown to Henry, the throw to Aguilar, and the touchdown to Bourne, all three of those plays have one thing in common, and that is Mac Jones giving his guys a chance to make a play down the field for him. And all three of those guys came through. You start stacking those types of plays together, those explosives. We've talked about this so many times, Alex, right? Can they win with an offense that's playing within 20 yards? Well, those plays were explosive plays down the field. And if they can keep making those, then they're not going to be a dink and dunk offense. And they're going to be an offense that can push the ball down the field. So exciting stuff out of Mac Jones and the Patriots offense. We keep on coming back to that word, uh, you know, uh, moral victories, right? We keep on coming back to that. A lot more moral victories here. We didn't really answer the question of can the Patriots turn this thing around, I guess, fully. I think we co- we sort of got there. Well, I uh, think we said how they can. It's just they have to do it. Right? Yeah. You know, because that's, that's what, again, a lot of – a lot of what they need to do to turn around feels like it's pretty simply in their control. It's not one of these easier said than done things. They just have to do it. Yeah. Yep. Like, and get, get that offensive line figured. The, the, the three points I'll end it on this, get the offensive line figured out, get bill out of his bunker, right? Okay. Get, get, get bill to be a little bit more aggressive. And then the third and final thing I would say is that the secondary needs to figure itself out a little bit. The last two weeks, there have been too many open guys down the field. It, it's that simple. And I'm not too caught up in the yards either, but they just have allowed to, the, the Texans threw all over them too. So at, at some point, you have to look at that secondary in this past defense and say, there needs to be improvements there. If they can improve all three of those areas, I, I do think they're going to start winning some football games because Mac is playing well enough to win the games. The defense is probably playing well enough on the whole to win some games. So I, I think they're going to get by here uh, and start stacking together some wins here shortly. And Alex and I are going to be back on the podcast on Friday morning to discuss a game that the Patriots definitely should win. And that is against the New York Jets. Alex, I can't imagine that 
Zach Wilson's going to play as poorly as he did in week two. So I, I yeah. talked about this with Matt Dolph on my 98.5 The Sports Hub podcast. Over under three and a half picks. I think under. I don't think Zach Wilson's going to be good, but I don't think he's going to be as bad as he was the first time around. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. So I say under. Uh, well, that's why I said three and a half, not four and a half. So I think we'll learn a lot, though, about because the Patriots in week two of this season were also very much a work in progress, right? I mean, that that yeah. team, second start of, the, of his career for Mac Jones, a lot of new faces in the free agency. So you, that team was very new and, and green as well, the same as the Jets were. The Patriots are at home against the Jets. If they actually truly have the talent that we were talking about earlier, right? Is this team talent depleted or not if they truly have the talent that we think that they do this should be a an absolute pantsing of the new york jets right they should win this game even more convincingly than they won the first one because i felt like the first time against the jets they won that game a lot in a lot of ways because zach wilson was so terrible that that it wasn't even a game this game they should just win them straight beat them straight up whether zach wilson throws them three picks or not yeah i would agree with that all right, so we'll talk on Friday about uh, Patriots-Jets, preview this game, go over some of the things the Patriots can do to beat New York and get uh, back in the win column and their first win against uh, at Gillette Stadium all year long. 0-4 at yeah. So hopefully they can get one at home. And Alex, uh, go Sox. Go Sox, absolutely. Go Sox. We'll go to the game tonight. Dancing uh, on my own, baby. Let's go. <laughs> literally dancing on his own at the at Fenway Park tonight. Go Sox. Alex and I will be back on Friday, as I mentioned. Uh, subscribe away. Patriots Press Pass, Patriots Beat Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll see you Friday. Thanks for watching, everybody.